0: The following is a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee Sports Authority. Lock into your radio dial for 97.9 ESPN Radio's official post game show, Wake Up Knowles. It's time to recap all the action of another Seminole game day with your Seminole insiders, Tom Block and Keith Jones. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Hello again, everybody. Tom Block and Keith Jones. About the best thing we can say looking back, Keith, is at least this is now in the rearview mirror because it does not get – much more lopsided, much more disappointing, and much uglier, quite frankly, than what happened yesterday. Sixty-three to twenty, Louisville over FSU. Obviously,
2: you and I talked on the way back from the game on the plane, Tom. Uh, we have never experienced anything like this in our broadcast careers. Uh, I've never played in a game this lopsided uh, in a loss, and of course, uh, the sixty-three points that Florida State's defense gave up is the most points that has ever been scored on a Florida State squad in history of the program. Uh, very disappointing. Uh, certainly not reason for panic from the standpoint of uh, you've still got games to play. But I would tell you certainly calls for concern, maybe more concern, in certain limited areas than we thought we uh, needed to be concerned about in the
1: past. I don't want to get into the excuse-making game because when you lose 63-20, to 20, there's not enough excuses to account for a 43-point differential. So let's dismiss quickly third game in 12 days, lots of young folks, quarterback playing just his third game, that sort of thing. To me, this was a failure across the board, offense, defense, special teams, and probably just about every individual involved in terms of you know, not minding their P's and Q's, not getting serious enough during preparation, and, and then it being reflected during the game. I think if we were from Boston, we would
2: refer to this as an epic fail. Uh, it is a, a system-wide, program-wide failure. Kids, coaching staff, uh, game plan, uh, you know, you can pick any, any part that you want to. Uh, physical preparation, mental preparation, uh, it, it was just in each and every phase of the game, in each and every way that you need to get ready during the week to, to play,
1: uh, Florida State failed to get ready to play this ball game, period. We're going to talk overarching sort of bigger themes here in the first segment. We'll hear from Jimbo momentarily. Then we'll break it up and we'll talk about FSU's defensive struggles trying to contain a very dynamic quarterback. Then we'll get to FSU's offense uh, and break it down further. But I do think in a broad sweeping stroke, we have to say that at the line of scrimmage, Florida State simply got whipped. Uh,
2: Woodshed is the word and phrase that comes to my mind. Uh, We knew that Louisville was good defensively, and we talked, you and I did, uh, both publicly and privately, about how good they were up the middle. Uh, They play a 3-4 type of scheme. They'll they'll mix it up, but basically they had a nose guard, a nose tackle over the center the majority of the time. They have two linebackers that are very, very good, and they have two safeties that will come up quickly and and meet the run and uh, can get back and cover. They're, They're strength was up the middle. Uh, If they were a baseball team, you'd be talking about their second baseman, their shortstop, and their center fielder. Well, that was their strengths. And Florida State just found no way uh, to get away from them, even when they tried to get outside. So yes, it started up front. We had been told uh, during the week that uh, both Kareem R. and Wilson Bell were back, uh, that, that they had practiced together along with Eberly in the middle, and uh, as it turns out, Bell played very little by my account. Certainly didn't start. There Certainly didn't see a lot of him in the first half. Uh, R. did play, uh, but the three of them were not able to contain that pressure up the middle, and that's where the
1: breakdowns started well and Wilson Bell did play in mop-up duty he went in with the second team so I think they liked Landon Dickerson as their better option there for whatever reason we don't have a clear uh, we don't have clear knowledge on on how much Bell did practice this week if that's injury related or if that's just a coach's decision so to speak I do wonder speaking of coaches' decisions not that you go to the panic button as you mentioned but it might be time uh not just for the purposes of message sending, but but really to take a look and uh, we can do this as we go through the, the the program here, Keith, and say, okay, maybe at this position we need to let this guy play, or you know, what what are your thoughts on that? It, certainly, time for it. Uh, I think there are several uh, position groups. The
2: most notable one, the wide receivers, where where the starters just aren't performing. Uh, I think, and we'll talk about this more. I think you've got to look at Dalvin and and look at how you're using them, using him, and and how, how I don't know if it's health, I don't know if it's attitude, I don't I don't know what it is. But Dalvin is not Dalvin, and Coach uh, Fisher can give us all the uh, rationale the speak, and the coaches speak, and he's appropriate to do so. He's going to protect his players. I get that, but Dalvin's not performing. There's there's a reason, uh, and that needs to be explored. Even if they don't explain it to us, and then as we get over onto the defensive side um there's still no uh cohesion on that unit they are not playing together they are not uh doing their own individual assignments they're they're either missing calls or they're just playing not paying attention to the ball in terms of eye discipline and and those types of things so yes maybe it is and i would say yes it is time to make some changes
1: well, let's listen to the head coach Jimbo Fisher. Obviously, met with the media after yesterday's game, as he does uh, each and every following each and every game, and uh, he won't address the media again until tomorrow at his regular press conference. But uh, uh, let's just reflect back on uh, what was a certainly, uh, I think, shell shocked is probably the best way to describe it for about everybody involved. Uh, let's listen in to Jimbo.
3: First of all, I give credit to Louisville. They did a great job in the game. They played extremely well, took care of the ball, made plays, defensively Tackle well, did a great job up front. Uh, they found the inches that we didn't find, and we had some opportunities early in the game to make some plays, and we didn't match them in some scoring situations. And uh, I thought a key part of the game was I really didn't – I felt when we had 14-10, I felt very good. I knew they would be emotional coming out. They played well and got two good scores. And then we were able to uh, get the drive and go down and make a 14-10. And I uh, felt very confident, you know, middle of the second quarter, weathered the storm, we're right back in the game, Do it would be a heck of a football game. And then we, gave, we had a, had a third and about eight or nine or something there, and they hit it. And I got a big conversion, went down and scored. Then we come out and had a play and had exactly what we wanted to call And we just we went the wrong way, just created a uh, fumble in the backfield, just stepped the wrong way on it. was thing was going right, should, I mean, should have went right, went left and knocked the ball out, and they got the momentum of the game, and then we could never turn it back. And then right before half, uh, them getting that two-minute drive and, and coming down. And then the second half, we never did get the momentum. They got the momentum. We could never change it, and that's why I say you, you play with fire when you let teams get ahead of you, and we knew that. And, but we felt like we weathered it until right there in the middle. Actually, it wasn't the beginning of the game. It was the middle of the second quarter on from when uh, they got a hold of it. So hopefully we'll learn. Got to create better habits. It's my, it starts with me and ends with me as a head coach. You got to fix it. You look at your issues, what you got to do, find it, correct it, and uh, we'll coach them better and They got to play better, and we have put them in better situations. And but they did a good job. I thought up front. I thought their front, their defense front did a really nice job on our offensive line, and they did a good job blocking us for the most part. The quarterback's a really good player, but the receivers backs, as I said before, they're all good players. They got a really good team, and uh, Bobby does a good job coaching. But uh, we got to keep it's one game. Now we got to look at it. We got to do a better job. Third down was another issue. With too many third and longs, we have too many pressures on third down. That, that we didn't convert, and you know, 'cause we felt the first time down, we had the, we had the first possession, third play, man, we had, a, we had, thought we had a big play, and we didn't pick up a blitz on the backside. We had it accounted for, we just didn't block it, and in uh, and that one, when we had the, that we missed the field goal in that drive. We still overcame it, come back, and missed the field goal, or punted, and then got the back and missed the field goal, made a field goal. Then we got that 14-10. It was good, but you know, you can't, you can't stop playing right there and you got to keep fighting for those inches and we'll keep growing as a team some of our young guys got you know got to grow up in some key situations on the roads very good environment and a very good team and uh like i said it was a very good football team so we got to grow from it get ready in south florida's got a heck of a team get ready to get down there and play on the road again next week
1: so there's jimbo's comments and uh by now you you may have seen them uh right after the game or or read them this morning um, you know i mean it, it's back to the drawing board for everybody because it's not just uh, the players i do think When you look at three of the last four games, every game except Charleston Southern, Florida State has been getting whipped at halftime. The Houston game and the bowl game, the Ole Miss game, and now yesterday in Louisville. And I don't know if that's leadership or things not translating from the practice field to the game field or something that's being missed in preparation, but it's becoming a trend.
2: Well, let's be fair. It needs to be examined as whether it's coaching. In terms of the psychological and, and and the you hate to talk about the rah rah part, but but Florida State's just come out flat in those ball games. You and I talked about maybe we could make the excuse or the rationale reasoning that it was because of the long layoff, the long layoff for the bowl, getting ready to play Ole Miss. But uh, you know th- that's this was a regular week. I know they played three games in twelve days, and I know as we heard Coach uh, Fisher talk about he you know he's not going to throw everybody under the bus. He's going to continue to talk. Positively, those are the things that he does. I get that, but internally and quietly, uh, I think he's got to start making some changes and looking at some things in terms of how they're preparing during the week, both mentally and physically, uh, so that they can come out and not be so bad through the first thirty minutes like they have in four consecutive games now.
1: Yeah, every well, every game except Charleston Southern. Now, I do think, to me, and it was noticeable last year, and we've talked about this that it was, and it was a very young team last year. Still a young team this year, to be fair. Nine seniors on it, but when I look around at the at the seniors that are contributing on this football team, there's only one of them that to me really looks like a leader, and that would be Demarcus Walker. Uh, beyond, and it's not to say you have to be vocal. Uh, I'm not, so but get, you do.
2: At this point, somebody's got to step up and be vocal. Not to interrupt you, but I did.
1: Somebody has got to start taking a stand. Because this can't continue. This isn't going to work. Well, and to finish my thought, what I was going to say is when you think about the seniors playing on offense, they're not vocal, verbal guys. Bobo Wilson... Kermit Whitfield, they're quiet amongst the receiving score. Kareem R played his first game yesterday. He's not a, a big spokesperson per se. Alec Eberly, as an underclassman, is the spokesperson person of the offensive line. And then you have Freddie Stevenson, who, uh, you know, is in his senior year as well and is, is, seems to be a pretty quiet guy. But I agree, there, there needs to be, uh, and I thought. There was more uh, in the offseason, DeMarcus, Dalvin. I'll tell you who another big leader on the offense is, and he's not playing, and he's been hurt, is Sean McGuire. He was one of the most vocal guys they had last year. It's really a mystery to me why this team, I know the numbers
2: are down from, as you mentioned, only nine seniors. But there's got to be some some, some of those uh, juniors uh, and even redshirt sophomores that uh, can take a lead. I mean, somebody's got to grab a hold of this team from a player's perspective and start willing it forward. Or this team can win 10 games, uh, but they won't play in the playoff the way they are right now.
1: Well, and they may not be able to play in the playoff even if they ran the table after that loss Possibly. yesterday. Uh, Demarcus Walker uh, you know, has been a leader, and uh, he made some comments after the game. We'll hear him in our next segment, but uh, he sort of issued a guarantee that uh, you won't see a lax effort the rest of the way, but uh, we'll see. you know. And, and I, I think that that's probably true for Demarcus, but it's got to carry over to the other 84 guys on scholarship.
2: And I always worry about those uh, demonstrative statements. I guarantee you this.
1: Uh, when you feel the need to have to say that, Uh, there's some other issues going on. We will uh, get into those defensive issues in our next segment, but first let me remind you, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. You can visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff there at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, in fact, to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can visit them online at www.ctf.nu That is Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. We're just getting started. We will uh, try to discuss us what went wrong for the defense when we continue
0: right after this. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Welcome back. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you as we dissect uh, what truly was a debacle in Louisville, Kentucky on Saturday. And Keith, The dynamic play of Lamar Jackson was really off the chain. I mean, he was unbelievable. I had heard the comparisons to Michael Vick going in. I didn't see it last year when he was in Doak. Watching it on tape doesn't do justice to just how electric he truly is, and I'm willing to buy those comparisons at this point.
2: Without question. He single-handedly set the tone, had the four rushing touchdowns. And, And, Tom, Florida State just didn't have an answer for him, both in the open field on the read option he'd get on the corner, but those times when he would run up the middle. He's as good from the quarterback position that I've seen in a long, long time Operating like we talk about between the tackles. He would run off 8, 10, 12-yard gains right up the middle, and he, he would make people miss. There there were people waving at him uh, as he went by. He truly, truly played an outstanding football game, and, and there just really wasn't a physical answer for him the
1: way Florida State was set up. Well, from a scheme standpoint, one of the things they were doing, not only does he run between the tackles, but he follows a fullback and a tailback. Into that hole, so you've got five linemen and then two other blockers, and then a slippery electric guy behind him. I thought early on
2: in the ball game, Florida State, uh, on I think the second series, uh, <coughs> pardon me, slowed him down a little bit, and there were three consecutive passes that he threw, and he showed a little bit of of why you wanted to keep him in the pocket. Those passes weren't real crisp; they weren't really to who they needed to go to, but credit Louisville and their staff, they continued to find ways to run him first, and then let him throw, and and once he had established himself with the run, those passes
1: became more and more effective. 17 carries, 146 yards, we talked before the game, you know, he could have 10 carries for 70, 80 yards, he couldn't get into the 150 range, which is about where he was, four touchdowns, 530 yards of total offense, which could have been 700 or 800, probably if they wanted to keep going. Uh, I mean, they put up the same numbers against Florida State that they did in the first two opponents, which they overmatched. So let's look at it from the Florida State side because there's obviously a lot to clean up there. But what things did FSU not do a good job of that they could have done better to limit him?
2: The two things that jumped out at me, particularly in the first half, is Florida State's defensive ends, including DeMarcus, along with Pugh when he was in there and to the degree that Sweat played, they were getting too far upfield. They were basically just taking the themselves out of the play and he and or the rare times when he handed the ball off to a running back would just dive underneath them you've got to kind of set that edge Uh, when you're going against this guy you can't worry about getting up field off a play action fake and and worry about the sack you've got to set that edge get one maybe two yards pass the line of scrimmage into the backfield but not let him have enough of a lane where he can get to the outside so quickly. Second of all, there were a couple of busts when uh, Coach Kelly wanted to go after him with pressure. There were times, particularly from the linebacker position, Tom, where in my estimation, they should have checked on a, on a back and when that back came out of the backfield, instead of continuing their rush to try to get to the quarterback, you break that off and get to the back and cover them. And that was just some poor reads on the on Florida State side from the linebacker position. So defensive ends too far up the field, linebackers with some bust. I'm sure once we looked at the tape, uh, if we and I sat down with with Charles, we'd see a bunch of other things. But those are the
1: two first things that jumped out at me. Well, and that's been a recurring theme too, in terms of some of the bus and whatnot. And I know, and. Uh We've talked about this as well, back when you played. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know Jimbo will talk about how it used to be that you had fourth and fifth year guys who were playing. That's just not the norm in college isn't. football now. It is. And so FSU's got a pair of uh, young corners. They're in their second years, and uh, Tavars McFadden and also uh, Marcus Lewis, and they've they've struggled here uh, early in the going. AJ Westbrook played because of Derwin James. I bring up his name. Let me stop right there. How much did they miss Derwin, not from a, what he could do on the field, but from a leadership standpoint yesterday? I think you have to say a bunch
2: because when you talk about leadership on that defensive side, it's it's DeMarcus and it's Derwin. So half of it was gone. Uh, Derwin's made some mistakes in the games that he's played. Uh, there's been some bust, But the one thing he doesn't make a mistake on is his leadership quality and maturity on the sideline uh, at halftime uh, in the week of preparation – Uh, getting ready, and all those were missing with some of those younger guys that potentially were looking up to him. I'm not making any excuses by saying the score would be different uh, or the outcome would be different simply because Derwin James was there in his presence,
1: but his overall effect on that defense, he certainly was missed. Well, you mentioned half the leaders were gone on the defensive side of the ball. The one who was there, Demarcus Walker, uh, spoke with the media obviously after the game, and uh, he had some resolve about what he offered. And obviously, time will tell, but let's listen into what uh, Demarcus Walker had to say when he uh, spoke with the press yesterday.
0: How do you guys respond from a loss like this?
4: It starts with me. For now, on, I'm not letting nothing get away. I know what it takes to win a national championship. I've seen the older guys, you know, show me the ropes one winning one. And, you know, I can't be friends. You know, there's no, you know, off the field stuff going on. Like, you know, I can't be cool when it comes to, you know, being on the field. I got to demand, you know, what's right and what to do. As a national cha- as a national championship team, and for now on, I'm, I'm giving 100. percent You know, I'm 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 gonna step up my my leadership skills. You know, I'm not letting nothing like if it's the smallest thing, I'm getting on it because I don't want to experience this ever again. You'll never see somebody out-hustle, run to the ball, lead, out-work me for, on, for now and ever, ever. And Marcus, what does a, a, a game like this kind of do for the team psyche? You, know, you guys have a
5: lot of aspirations to so get to the playoff and win the SEC. Uh, you know, you guys took a, you know, a big hit and, and just split the game it. We just
4: got to control what we, can, what we we can, what we can control. After this plane touchdown, we're going to worry about South Florida or whoever we play next. I don't even know. But like I say, when we touch down on the plane, y'all, I promise, I promise, no nation, I promise, you're going to see a different team, a different identity. God bless.
1: That's some of what DeMarcus Walker said, and that's courtesy of Seminoles.com, as was the Jimbo Fisher sound, by the way. Go to Seminoles.com and get the complete recap and and listen to what everybody had to say about yesterday's game. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm... I'm curious where Florida State goes from here defensively in terms of getting things fixed because there, there's clearly talent, a lot of talented players. Derwin's not going to be back for a few weeks. We don't know exactly when. Uh, Jacob Pugh is a guy who's been playing well. Matthew Thomas led the team in tackles yesterday with 10 tackles. Uh, they have some parts and pieces, but they got to figure out how to get cohesion and get everybody playing together. And, and and again, we go back to comments that we made,
2: observations from from our first segment Today, it seems to be above the shoulders. It seems to be a mental thing. It's not a physical thing. It's not a schematic thing. Uh, I think Charles Kelly's game plan uh, against whatever offense he's facing—someone that's dynamic like Jackson, a drop-back passer—you know, later on, like you're going to face with Kaya, uh, obviously another running quarterback when you play Clemson. I don't think there's anything schematically that needs to be you know overhauled in terms of what's prepared for. But if for, for whatever reason, the kids are just not executing it. They're simply not doing it, which goes back to the point, well, if those are, if the guys that are out there aren't the ones that are going to do it, maybe it's time to go to the younger guys at least that will do it, even if they're not quite as big and as fast as the older guys.
1: Well, I'm going to bring up something. Speaking of the older guys, and uh, I guess in he, he's a JUCO transfer, but I thought that Wally and me played well yesterday and if you look at the defensive tackles, Derek Nott, seemed to be, he, he rolled his ankle or did something early on. He only had one tackle for the game. DeMarcus Christmas had two. Fred Jones had one so that's four. Not Not—not that those are going to be big tackle guys. Wally and me in there in limited snaps had five stops. He seemed to to be ready and maybe he's a guy that needs more work. And, and what happens when you
2: do that, Tom, and, and I've seen Coach Bowden do it. We haven't quite seen Jimbo do it yet in his short career and now in year seven as a head coach at Florida State, is it gets everybody's attention. Now, you want to talk about a rah-rah speech before kickoff? That that weighs about the second snap of the of the game. But you change your starters, and 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 you see that throughout the week, getting ready for the game, the entire
1: team knows when that happens, and it gets everybody's attention. Well, and to me, that's perhaps one you could change there if you flip-flopped. And I'm not the guy grading tape, so I don't know. But to me, it looks like maybe you could make that change there. I don't know. The, the linebackers behind the two who are starting are freshmen and, and are young, and, and uh, I'm not sure that they would make the move there. And so uh, let's look at the secondary. Nate Andrews was back. How did he fare? I, I thought he fared well he 's still a little bit limited he 's still a little bit banged
2: up uh, calf injury with him. Uh, I thought he fared well. I thought AJ uh, West uh, Barry, Westbrook Westbrook thank you uh, was satisfactory so maybe you, you because of injury you 're going to go more with AJ he gets another week of practice with the ones uh, there's, a, there's a leap of improvement there <laughs> pardon me simply because he 's playing uh, but i I, I, th- I think you've got to make some changes somewhere well
1: maybe If if no other reason, Tom, if no other reason to send a message. Well, maybe what you do is you leave Westbrook and Andrews there and you put Trey Marshall at the star, and that leaves the two sophomore corners basically alternating at the same position instead of both being on the field at the and same time. And they're back to the competition that we saw them go through in fall. Camp. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's a change as well. Defensive end, uh, Jacob Pugh played, played well. He had the only two tackles for loss Florida State had and had one sack. Uh, you mentioned Demarcus Walker in trouble setting the edge. Josh Sweat, I know there was an injury late in the week, and I don't know what percent he was per se, uh, but he's a guy that's got to get better too. He has not played
2: well. Uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Certainly his performance needs to improve. Uh, You hate to talk about him if he's injured or he's hurt or nicked up, but but there's got to be more protection out of him or I think I start looking at the freshman.
1: Well, just we'll finish up on the defense with these notes, which are not pretty. There were no quarterback hurries in the game yesterday. There was one pass broken up and one interception, which came late in the game when the thing was decided anyway by McFadden. Uh, so th- those are just numbers that are. By the way, that,
2: that in. interception was in the end zone, or that'd have been seven more points.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, giving up points was only one half of the problem for Florida State. Scoring them was another half of the problem, and uh,
0: we'll discuss that when we come back. Right after this, stay with us. Wake up returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you. Florida State uh, and its fans still in shock after Louisville running up uh, 63 points, the most points ever allowed by Florida State, and the most lopsided defeat for FSU at 63-20, I believe, since Coach Bowden's first year when FSU dropped the game 47-0. This game, a 43-point differential.
2: And let me tell you what happened after that 47-0 game. Florida State went to Oklahoma, and this is when Oklahoma was in that part of their heyday. And Coach Bowden started about nine freshmen in that ball game. Uh, Got waxed, but those freshmen continued to play. And that 76 season, he ended up going, did Coach Bowden, five and six with a a ball club that had only won four games in the three previous years combined.
1: This continues a theme that we've already talked about, about... Sending a message, making some changes, getting folks' attention, which does more, uh, you know, if you make those changes than the rah rah speeches, you put it. So, a guy to me that has earned playing time, probably as a first team guy right now, has to be Auden Tate. I mean, if we're going to look at the pod, the guy has four catches in the last two weeks, and three of them are touchdowns. Now, I don't know how he's graded out. There's probably some missed blocks in there, maybe some missed routes, but uh, we know what you have with the first three guys who've been playing. Now you have a big target that, if nothing else, forces the defense to account for him. What do you think?
2: You and I have talked about the three that we know about as the three amigos for whatever good or bad reason. I don't know that that uh, uh, moniker has uh, picked up much traction. Uh, I think uh, you've got to look at both Bobo Wilson and Kermit And I think you've got to decide whether you're comfortable with them where they're at because they're not getting any better. They have plateaued. So the question becomes, uh, are you okay with Travis? Uh, Because he's continuing to give effort and perform. And are you ready to go to some of the younger guys? You know what you got with the two older guys, but you're not going to get anything else. Are you willing to roll the dice and go with the younger guys and see what their upside is? I say yes. I say make the move.
1: Well, the numbers yesterday, Bobo had one catch. Kermit had no catches. uh, Travis Rudolph had two. To be fair... DeAndre Francois only completed seven passes and really uh, I think the issues started up front with the offensive line uh, before we get to the offensive line let's finish out on the receivers matter of fact uh, two catches for Travis Rudolph let's listen in right now courtesy of Seminoles.com to what he had to say uh, after yesterday's disappointing defeat.
5: How do you guys respond next week? I mean honestly I feel like all of the players we've taken it the hard way I mean prepare for this game but you know we just got to die through our adversity and we're going to bounce back.
1: How much of it has to be just giving credit to Louisville? Are they that good?
5: I mean, Louisville's a great team. I mean, I feel like every opponent that we face is a great team. I mean, hats off to them. They had played a better game than we did today. Simple as that. Travis, what do you want to see from your teammates going into this week, man? You know, after the Oregon game, after the Houston game, you guys had a whole lot season to kind of stew about this. You know, now you have, you know, two days until you guys return. What are some things you want to see from your teammates? Well, the main thing, I just want us to stay together, you know, just stick through this adversity that we're dealing with right now because, I mean, it's just one game. I mean, we can just – we have a whole full season left, so just got to bounce back, like I said.
0: DeAndre got hit a lot tonight. He had a rough night for, for him. What did you see from him?
5: I mean, responsive or wasn't? he was very responsive. I mean, the whole time when we was down, he was just telling us like, "It's on us. We gotta just do what we gotta do. You know, control what we control." And he was just showing that how mental tough he was, you know, because I know that had that had been frustrating that he couldn't get throws off and stuff, just getting sacked like that. What was it about their defense that made it so hard for y'all to execute? It? I mean, they had a good game plan. I mean. It's just, we just had a lot of self inflicted wounds, honestly, I feel like. got a lot of you guys have never been through anything
0: like this before.
5: How do you handle it between bounce I mean, like, it's tough, you know, but once again, I just say we just got to bounce back. You know, we got to look forward to the next game. I mean, we can't control what just happened, so we just got to deal with it.
1: By all accounts, Rudolph uh, works very hard. We we saw the the off-the-field story, which was a great story a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, and so I, I, Travis to me has to still be in the mix. I would call for Auden Tate. Uh, we've seen a little bit more of Nooney Murray lately, but I don't disagree with your comments about where, where we are with the seniors. Uh, you know, a guy that I thought we would see more of, and it seems like he's still making some mistakes, is Izzo at the tight end spot. The interception that Francois threw yesterday, and I don't know for sure, we haven't gone back and looked at the tape. Uh, he was not on the same page with Izzo. It looked to me like Izzo turned in and should have turned out, or there was some confusion there. And I know Tim Brewster immediately after that play got in long conversation with Izzo.
2: Well, Izzo turned out. The question is, do you turn out and stop, or do you turn out and continue? Obviously, uh, Francois thought he was going to turn out and continue, and Izzo stopped, yeah. and therefore the pick, and, and nearly a pick six. Uh, I believe uh, Louisville ended up scoring a touchdown a couple of plays after that when the uh, uh, interceptor was run out of bounds. Uh, you're exactly right right, however, it does start with the offense line. And, and Francois was never comfortable in the ball game. was never able to set his feet. was never able to throw the ball downfield. Uh, and part of that reason is that the receivers were covered. Uh, part of that reason is the line wasn't blocking. It has to be a combination when you end up with five sacks. If there's five sacks, it's going to be on all parties. It's not just like one unit did something wrong. Everybody uh, contributed to it. And uh, and Francois never got comfortable in the entire ballgame.
1: Well, it's similar to some of the mistakes we've seen defensively because – at least two of those sacks were guys running free. It's not like the lineman is getting whipped necessarily by the defender. It's confusion on who to block. And next thing you know, I mean, DeAndre got whacked in the back early in that game if uh, somebody ran free. Uh, how much of that, Keith, is the fact that it's been three games and we've seen three different starting offensive lines thus far? It's part of that, but it's also
2: part of what the defensive coordinator that you're facing is fearful of. And when, when a lot of the pressure that that, that uh, Louisville brought, they brought a safety on a couple of blitzes. They would blitz both linebackers through the same gap. Well, when you're doing that, you're going man coverage. So you got Bobo and Kermit on the outside, and they're not scared of them. So they're locking up with their their corners which by the way both of Louisville's corners were new starters this year right The safeties were experienced but the corners were new. so they're locking up two of your wide receivers because not, they're not afraid that you're going to get behind them or you're gonna, you're going to get open. so therefore they can come with those I'll call them exotic they're not exotic but more more intensive pressures knowing that that the quarterback's not going to be able to get rid of the ball and you've got that extra second second and a half to get to him and that's exactly what Louisville did.
1: Yeah, So, uh, and from an offensive line standpoint, we mentioned earlier, Wilson Bell practiced this week, played late in the game. They didn't go with him as a starter there, and uh, maybe that's the maybe they feel that's the five that they need out there. I know they're very high on a lot of the youngsters, but the youngsters, as an offensive lineman, it's tough to come in and play like a freshman, like like Landon Dickerson is doing right now.
2: You know, there are issues, and, and we'll finish this segment with maybe one of the glaring ones, but there are issues at wide receiver. Uh, there's issues occasionally with the tight end in terms of being on the same page with DeAndre. Uh, It starts with the offensive line. And unless and until they can find the right five to give DeAndre time uh, to to go through his progressions, make his reads, and deliver the football, it's just going to be a long, long season from the standpoint of seeing that Florida State offense click the way we're used to seeing it.
1: I'll ask you the question that everybody's asking. What's going on with Dalvin?
2: I I don't know what is going on with Dalvin, but I think it's time for the staff to acknowledge that there is something going on with Dalvin. Uh, I personally think it's some kind of shoulder issue uh, that that nobody wants to talk about and nobody nobody wants to admit to. Uh, The way he's running, he's not running with the same explosiveness. He's not running with the same quickness. And unlike last year, when he would get in traffic, he would deliver the blow. This year he's shying away and he's letting the blow come to him. Now that's a very, very harsh criticism. Uh, but that's how gifted Dalvin Cook is when he's right, and whatever it is, he is not right, and that needs to be looked at, explored. If nothing else, at least let us know what it is, so we won't we won't think he's just dogging it. Because by no shape, form, or fashion would I think that Dalvin Cook is just going through the motions.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he is either. But if it is a shoulder. Uh... and and you're the guy that's trying to block the blitzer coming up the the A-gap, that's a tough assignment, too, uh, for the reasons that you just cited. So uh, we'll see. I mean, Dalvin is still ultra-talented. He put on some weight this year, but – Whatever it is, I don't think anybody feels that Dalvin looks like Dalvin. Now, now, the holes have maybe not been there to the degree they were last year, but but we'll see. So that comes back to the quarterback now. This was just start number three for DeAndre. Obviously, the first two went, went pretty doggone well. Uh, you look at yesterday. Florida State weathered the initial storm. They got it to 14-10. to 10. Uh, Then immediately gave up a touchdown to make it 21-10. And on the next drive, Francois turned the wrong way on that handoff, resulted in a fumble, and boom, it got to 28-10. So that's when the game got away because Florida State, the previous three drives had gone missed field goal, field goal, touchdown. So they were fine in their footing a little bit. I'm not putting this all on Francois, but it's a young guy making a mistake. But really my, my question, bigger picture, Seven completions. His confidence has got to be hurt a little bit uh, you know, after a game like that. Is he the guy right now, or are we going to start having conversations about now McGuire's healthy and we should give him a look? I don't think it's time to make the change at the quarterback position, but here is
2: something that I would suggest to you that I would like to see. And we saw this with Jameis in his first year of starting. There needs to be a little bit of a, of a, of a sense of urgency, I'm happy with all this workmanlike stuff. I'm happy that Francois comes to work every day and, and doesn't you know, play around, not a grab-ass kind of guy, is totally focused, uh, gets in the film room, the tape room, and does that. But, you know, there were times early on in Jameis' career when Jameis and Jimbo would be at each other. Jameis would be upset. Jameis would be excited about something, or at least would get excitable. I want to see that in DeAndre. Because kids feed off of that. If his offensive line sees him going toe-to-toe with his head coach because he wants to play different or he read something one way and Jimbo wants him to read the other, there there needs to be a sense of urgency on this offense, and I haven't seen any of that. That can start with the young'un. We saw it with Jameis. I'm not saying they want to get into conflicts and, and Jimbo stays mad at him all the time, but I want to see a sense of urgency out of someone. Not panic. Not time to panic, but
1: I want to see a sense of urgency. Yeah, I would agree with what you're saying there. And, you know, it could be DeAndre. It needs to be somebody there because uh, it was a different – you know, yesterday felt more like, uh, you know, it was similar to the Ole Miss game and that they fell behind. Ole Miss, there was a sense of urgency. Uh, yesterday, I didn't see it as much. It's like, oh, we've been there; we can handle this. But that's not—that's not healthy. It, it, it doesn't work that way. All right, we'll come back, get back big picture on this. Uh, we'll also need to talk about the special teams, which struggled yesterday. Uh, as we continue, Florida State falling, of course, sixty-three to twenty to
0: Louisville on Saturday afternoon. Wake up, Knowles returns next on 97.9 nine ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Keith, one segment to go as we wrap up, and I don't know if uh, you're feeling any better as we're having this therapy session together and looking back at this game. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> exactly. Um, special teams, had been very very good the first two weeks it stood to reason that Aguayo was not going to make all his kicks so I can't find a lot of fault on him missing a 49 yarder early on he went two for three on field goals Uh, kickoffs were not an issue but the punts and and to be frank so we got away with a couple of punts in the first few games but yesterday Louisville made Florida State pay
2: well and 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 Florida State does something that maybe people would look at and say is a little too fine. It's, you know, I, I equate it to you know, being able to control the ball off of the tee uh, if you're a golfer. You know, there's certain holes you want to try to draw the ball if you're, if you're playing it. Other holes you want to try to, you know, slice the ball or, or work the ball from left to right. Uh, what, what Florida State tries to do in, in their kickoffs when they do kick short is to squeeze them down and, and, and take up the field. The same thing happens with the punts. And, and basically what happened is that is that Logan Tyler had a couple of punts that were supposed to go in one direction, and they kind of went in the other direction. Uh, one of them technically, I think, although Jimbo would not put it this way, he, he technically did kick it too far uh, because the return man had an opportunity to set some stuff up. But, but he didn't kick it where he was supposed to. In other words, he was supposed to go to the left side of the field, whatever reason it ended up on the right side of the field. Uh, Coverage had been so good prior to that that I think we got a little bit complacent in in understanding that, you know, that could be taken care of. We we neglected the fact that most teams, Louisville included, have some pretty dynamic playmakers that once you put the ball in their hands in open field, uh, they can make some things happen. And that's exactly what Louisville did.
1: Well, in the special teams' mistakes, I I don't know that Florida State was going to Ever mount a significant rally yesterday because they got whipped across the board. But uh, it got exacerbated. I mean, the defense did get a stop early in the second half, uh, but the offense ended up punting it back, and then you get a you get a punt return for a touchdown, which ended any hope at that point. And and the kicking game is such a big part of games where
2: you've got two teams that have a lot of talent uh, you've got a lot of energy uh, you know this is just the 13th time in the history of the ACC that two top 10 teams have met during the regular season that you know any mistake in the kick we talk about the kicking game we talk about turnovers those are two things that in high profile high intensity games like this oftentimes lead to the result. Well, that didn't lead to the result in this one, but you saw we're we're a very talented team like Louisville. When you make a mistake in the kicking game,
1: they make you pay for it. Well, so now we try to turn the page, which, uh, okay, you played football, obviously. Uh, If you're the coaches, are you using this tape to teach or are you burning the tape and starting from scratch this week? I'm using a little bit to teach, uh, but I'm ignoring a lot of it. Uh, I'm talking about it more.
2: I'm not showing it. I'm talking about it. Because, again, I think the issues associated with this 2016 team are from the shoulder up. It's not schematic. It's not physical. It's thought process. And uh, the tape can help you with some of that. But I think going out and, and uh, you know executing on the practice field, preaching the need to start faster, to be faster, preaching the need that we've got to have some kids step up, preaching the need that we're going to demonstrate to you as a staff that we need some kids to step up because we're going to bench some people, and then work them during the, during the week where everybody knows what's going on. And, and refocus as you get ready for a very talented and a, and a very strong USF team. This is not Charleston Southern that Florida State has coming up. This is a very talented ball club they've got coming up, and in fact a club that that would and should and had better command Florida State's players' attention, or they're going to have struggles in Tampa as well.
1: Well, had FSU defeated Louisville, I would have viewed this as a trap game. But at this point, nobody on the schedule can be a trap game for this FSU team. They just endured. They gave up the most. Points in school history in 70 years of football. You know, and in that regard, the tape speaks for itself. You know, you might take all of Louisville's scoring
2: plays, put them on the tape, get the team in the team room, and just kind of run that, oh, I don't know, loop it for three times for about 30 minutes. I think that would speak volumes.
1: Well, and you could put a note below that points out that USF is in the same conference as Houston, and uh, that might get their attention as well for this one. Uh, so, you know, I, I think. Well, I don't see how they couldn't take USF seriously after what happened uh, this past weekend. But uh, bigger picture, Keith, and and not that Florida State's players or coaches need to think about this at all uh, because it truly needs to be a a play-the-next-play-one-game-at-a-time thing, but the college football playoff hopes, barring something uh, unforeseeable, are are gone for Florida State this year, in my opinion. Because even if you ran the table and won the ACC – you just lost 63 to 20 in September. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say impossible, but you'd have to beat everybody about 63 to 20 the rest of the way to make enough of an impression to get back in there. Well,
2: and the problem with that also is because of the way the tiebreaker is and the fact that you've got to play Clemson and Louisville has to play Clemson, you know, it's not just like Louisville can,
1: if Louisville runs the table, you're not going to be playing in the championship yeah, Well, at this game. point, Louisville – well, yeah, I guess if, if Louisville loses to Clemson and FSU beats Clemson, then you have potentially a three-way tie. But my point is, yeah, you can't in control. terms of the rankings,
2: you want Louisville to win out because that, that will hopefully help that, that large deficit loss. But you can't afford that. you got to have Louisville lose another game so, so that diminishes and makes your – your demise look worse in the eyes of of the of the voters. Uh, it, yeah, this was the game you didn't want to lose. You you know you're better off losing the Clemson
1: game. Well, you are you're better, this one. you're better off losing to a Coastal Division opponent like North Carolina or Miami, but I get what you're saying. In a
2: perfect world, if you're going
1: to lose one, that's where you lose it. Yeah. You are correct. Bottom line, Florida State can't be thinking about the playoff right now. they got to be thinking about USF, uh, and beyond that, just uh, how about a first ACC win, and just you see where it goes from there, yeah. because I, I do think, going back to what we've talked about, for whatever the reasons are, and however it needs to get corrected, uh, this team right now is not greater than the sum of its parts. It's got a lot of good parts, but 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 they are not playing together and getting the results uh, that they should, in my opinion. That's an absolute uh, factual
2: statement. And whether that's the kids paying attention, whether that's the coaches getting their attention, or whether it's something else we don't even know about. (coughs) Pardon me. The bottom line is that they are underachieving. And, and, and Florida State as a program, as an offensive, defensive, special teams, individual units can
1: do better and must do better. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you look back at 2013, and a lot of people talked about that year leading into this one. To me, it was significantly different going in because there weren't expectations in 2013 that you were going to do what you did. But we went into 2016 with people thinking that it was going to be a repeat of the 2013 team. Some you, people. You and
2: I being amongst them.
1: I, I, I thought it I... was. Yeah, well, I thought the defense was going to be really good this year based on how many athletes and the length they have. And I still think it can be, but right now, uh, they're not there. I also, while you and I were both on the same page that we didn't think Dalvin was going to be a 2, 2500 yard rusher, I also didn't think he was going to drop down to a 3.4 yard average against Louisville.
2: They're, they're again repeating ourselves. There are certain issues, offense and defense, that we've got a week to get corrected. And I'll be anxious to see the improvement and uh, how the kids respond, how the staff responds, as they get ready for USF.
1: I, uh, I'm i going to ask a question that I thought about when we were on the flight back to Tallahassee. Uh, so I'm asking you cold. This, this game, uh, in terms of a low point, what does it compare to in terms of previous games? Oh, this is Not Wake, just of Jimbo, just in general. This is Wake Forest 31-zip. Yeah, that's exactly the game I wrote down in 2006, 30-zip Wake Forest. Which I, resulted
2: I went, in some significant changes, not just on the field.
1: Obviously. Obviously. And we're not advocating for those right now. It's a different scenario. But I went back, I started going season by season, and there's been – heartbreaking losses. I mean, you can go to the wide rights or some of the losses to Florida. And, but as I was thinking about it, uh, in terms of just not expecting what you got, nobody thought Wake Forest was going to come into Doak and win 30 to zip that night. And even if plenty of people probably thought Louisville would put up a good fight and maybe win the game, not even Lee Corso, who picked Louisville, thought it was going to be 63-20. to
2: And as a result of that, I think you need to pay attention to the significance of it. And, and while, again, I'm not calling for panic – And I'm not calling for widespread changes. I think some looking at some of the particular areas like the wide receivers, uh, reintensifying your look at the offensive line, having a little bit of a come-to-Jesus meeting with your defense relative to assignment football, uh, now's the time to be doing those things.
1: It's hard to, and we'll wrap up on this thought, Keith, uh, coaches do... And they have to. They remove the emotion from it and they truly go down and they look at each player and your assignment and uh, when you have a 43-point differential, it doesn't seem like if everybody did one more thing correctly, that would make for a more equal game. But that's the way they attack the tape and they'll work with the cornerback and the safety and the linebacker and every position on the team to make sure that they don't make that mistake and then you get a better result in the end.
2: And and as a result, you, know, you go back to, and, and this is Jimbo speak, are you putting the best 11 guys out there for what you're trying to accomplish and i think that uh, particularly on the defensive side all units you got to look at that on the offensive side repeating myself wide receivers you got to look at that
1: yeah well and i'm sure the coach if we can ask these questions the coaches will ask those questions too they know more about it than we do i don't know uh now that we're wrapping up keith do you feel any better
2: no i don't this is a very very uh hard loss uh you know I I people talk all the time about you'd rather lose big than lose close. That's not where this one falls because the losing big was so big. It just it just gnaws at you and it'll be a
1: while before Florida State gets this taste out of their mouth. I'll remind you once more, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway, or you can visit them online at www.ctf.nu. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Keith and I will be back Wednesday night at 6 for the front row. He's Keith. I'm Tom. So long until then, everybody.